and welcome to Small Town Mysteries, a show where three longtime friends from Massachusetts tell crazy and heartbreaking true stories filled with the extra flair of small town mystery. I'm Kate, here with Christine. Hello. And Rachel. Hello. Bringing you our next episode on The Bloody Benders. But before we do that, I'm going to throw it over to myself. Hello. Hi. Self shout out. I will be covering the missing person for this episode. This past week was uh, the day of remembrance for missing or murdered Indigenous persons, specifically missing or murdered Indigenous women. So I want to just say, um, you know, the president made a statement. It's been, uh, I've seen it all over social media. This is a recurring issue. There's higher rates of missing and murdered women among Indigenous communities. So I'm going to be highlighting a missing Indigenous child. Her name is Arden Pepion. I'll be posting a photo of her as well as her name spelled out. So if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, um, it will be spelled out. She was last seen on April 22nd, 2021 at about 7 p.m. in the vicinity of Joe Show East off of U.S. Highway 89 South on the Blackfeet Reservation in Browning, Montana. She was three years old at the time that she disappeared, but she would be four years old now. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She's about three feet tall and 31 pounds. She was wearing a purple jacket with a unicorn on the front. So if you think you may have seen Arden, uh, the phone number that you should call in your tips to is 1-833-560-2065. The agent name is Stephen Red Cloud, and it is the Bureau of Indigenous Affairs that is investigating this missing persons case. Also, please do research if you feel so inclined on other relevant cases. There's just so many missing and murdered Indigenous women who don't get even a blip of notice in the media. It's tragically common that they just don't get any reporting whatsoever. So, uplift indigenous voices that are talking about this and please look at our podcast instagram for information on arden pepion to see if you recognize her or you think you've seen her especially if you are from the browning montana area all right passing it over to rachel well thank you kate that's super important i really appreciate you covering that thank you okay let's dive on in i'm diving (laughs) i'm diving So today I'm going to be talking about the Bloody Bender family. They're known, I say that with quotes, as the first serial killer family. So I'm throwing it way back. We're going to the 1870s. Oh. Yeah. Real old times. I feel like we just had two old-timey episodes, and I kind of love it. Ye old small town mysteries. Yeah. The spinoff. It's not a bad name. (laughs) I honestly kind of like it. All right. So the story of the Bender family begins just like many others from period of this time due to the Homestead Act of 1862. In order to spark economic growth, this act was passed. 160 acres of federal land was distributed to anyone who was willing to farm the land. Literally all you had to do is purchase it, which is like crazy to think about. That would never, obviously never be able to happen nowadays, but... Well, there's not that much land to divvy up either. True. Millions of acres of Western land was distributed to individual settlers. 
following the Civil War, Osage Indians were forced to move from their home in Labette County to Oklahoma to make room for European settlers who were coming to live in Kansas Territory. So in 1870, five families, known as spiritualists, settled in western Labette County, Kansas, located about seven miles northeast of Sherryvale, which would be established one year later. These five families were referred to as a cult-like group. So a cult. I don't, that's just what it said. I'm going to get a little bit why into why the Benders kind of got that, but I don't know about the other families. This is just something about the term cult-like group that I feel like is three words when it could be one word, and that one word is cult. The thing is, I don't know if cult was the correct terminology because I think it was more of, uh, like, witchcraft and spirituality. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a fair distinction. Okay. I stand corrected. So while this did not happen in Cherryville, it is kind of like the closest town, and there's actually a museum. like that has stuff about the Bloody Benders and it's in Cherryvale. So that's going to be my small town because where they actually lived didn't really, doesn't really exist now. Which makes it a really small town. It doesn't exist. Cherryvale was founded in 1871, but most of the town was destroyed by a fire in 1873 and it was rebuilt in 1880. And as of 2020, the population is a little bit over 2,000 people. So tiny. Teeny. Teeny, teeny. So, out of these five families I'm talking about, obviously, the one I'm focusing on is the Bender family, who immigrated from Germany, and the family consisted of John Bender Sr., his wife Almira, their son, John Jr., and their daughter Kate. (gasps) I know. Wow. Honestly, you should not feel honored. Okay, well, I was going to say it feels like a shout-out, but... We'll see as I learn, as we go through this, how honored I really feel. And based on your face right now, I'm, I'm not going to feel honored at all. So most people put most of the blame on Kate. Cool. <laughs> it's like our podcast. I mean, I already share a name with a murdered queen. So like, I feel like this is just par for the course. Let's just lay on namesakes for me. Let's do it. Let's get into it. So at this time, John Sr. was 60 years old. Almira was 44 years old. John was somewhere between 25, 27, I don't know, around that age. And Kate was 23. So John Sr. was a giant man. He was over six feet tall. I can't say this with a straight face. His nickname was Old Beetle Browed John. Because of his bushy eyebrows. (laughs) Okay. That's so specific. It's like, it reminds me of how, like, in Europe, names emerge out of professions. Like, if um, someone was, like, a shoemaker, their name was, like, so-and-so shoemaker. And it's like, that's very specific. We know exactly what you did for work, what your, like, family business was. This is, like, I, I can visually see in my head what this guy's eyebrows looked like. I also wonder what the average height was at the time because like I don't think you would call anyone over six feet a giant but I feel like the height the average height might have been a little shorter back then too I feel like probably I agree I think that's probably likely between 1871 and 1971 the average height 
of men at age 21 went from 5 foot 5 inches to 5 foot 10 inches. Okay. According to the BBC. So he was still tall. Yeah, yeah he was I'd tall. Say. So he was often described as a wild and wooly looking man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Still very vivid image. Due to a large heavy beard that covered the majority of his face. And the sullen expression he often wore. So, the original bitch face? Yes. (laughs) Resting bitch face? RBF. Mrs. Bender, also known as Ma Bender, was a heavyset woman who was apparently extremely unfriendly and had sinister eyes. What a great combination. I was going to say, they seem like a perfect match. Oh, yeah. Made in heaven. I was going to say a match made in hell. (sighs) Yeah, that's more accurate. If you want to say it's heaven, sure. Maybe in their heaven. Match made in purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) Neighbors called her a she-devil. Which is extreme. (laughs) Ma claimed that she was a medium and was able to communicate with the dead. That's where I think this cult-like kind of comes from. But I obviously don't know for sure. Interesting. So Ma would boil herbs and roots that she claimed were used to cast charms or wicked spells. Okay, so that's that's witchy. Witchy, witchy. And on top of all that, apparently she wore the pants in the family. Excellent. She ruled the household with an iron hand. Also, John and Elmira had super thick German accents. Mm-hmm. So people had a hard time understanding them. And I also saw in some sources that they spoke broken English. Okay. So, John Bender Jr. was a tall, slender, and handsome man who had auburn hair and a mustache. Oh, interesting. So, he was, like, the hot son. Yeah, apparently. But when you look at the sketch, I don't know how they got to that, but it's just a sketch, I guess. (laughs) Oh. I feel like a lot of people in those sketches looked really ugly. I scrolled down. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I have regrets. He spoke English fluently with a German accent. He was a social being who was prone to laughing, which caused people around him to view him as a half-wit. Hmm. That's an interesting connection to me. It is. I feel like that interesting. That fits with the time period, though. That, like, excessive humor would be seen as, like, simple-minded. Hmm. You know, like, humor is seen as a sign of intelligence now, but I feel like before, not necessarily. Like, think of the royal courts and how they treated like jesters or maybe you just laughed at like really stupid stuff and people were like okay that's also possible (laughs) that is also (laughs) possible i'm just over here overthinking it so kate was the friendliest bender she spoke good english with just a slight german accent she had great social skills and would talk to strangers often she was also quick to laugh Kate and John attended Sunday school near Harmony Grove and were quickly accepted into the community. Kate called herself a healer and a psychic. So again, maybe this cult-like shit that people are putting out there. She gave lectures on spiritualism and also conducted seances. She claimed to have psychic powers, which included talking with the dead and that she could cure illnesses and ailments. Mm Mm-hmm. Kate craved notoriety, fame, wealth, and power. Same. You don't want to be this Kate. (laughs) It's a really deep joke. 
During her lectures, she often educated for free love and justification for murder. You said you educated. Said educated. Oh my god, guys. During her lectures, she often advocated for free love and justification for murder. Hmm. Which, like, what? So, of course, she gained popularity from the community due to her beauty and social skills. However, her actions led to people calling her satanic. Yeah, that's kind of how that worked when women existed back then. Okay, but... She justified murder. Yeah, no, she did. No, I'm not it. saying everything she did was okay. I'm saying that. But you're just like, oh, that, that's what how women were treated back then. But it's like, no, she was going around justifying murder. So, no, it's, it's not that. A lot of her behavior to me seems reminiscent of like what caused people to be accused of being a witch during like the Salem witch trials. Like, not anything necessarily witchy, but like intellectual. And upfront in a way that, like, but she's giving lectures on spiritualism, claiming to have psychic powers, and conducting seances. I'm not saying she's not doing that. I'm saying that it seems <laughs> like some of what she was doing is very reminiscent of the Salem witch trials, where women were just doing completely normal things, and we're like, "That's a witch." Um, but no, I, I take your point that she absolutely was doing things that were a little more sus. Like, yeah, advocating for murder—that's sus. Mm-hmm. To say the least. To say the least. As a whole, the Bender family generally kept to themselves and appeared to be struggling, struggling, much like most pioneers during this time. And then we'll post these on our Instagram, but I have sketches of all four of them. Like, just, like, kind of hand-drawn. My favorite part about these sketches is John Sr.'s cleft chin. It's very strong oh, and pronounced. <laughs> I know. And he does have beady eyes. Yeah, they were both described to have beady eyes. Yeah. They kind of look, they look alike. Like Ma and Pa. Like, I'm sorry for saying it out loud. The person on the right, like the mother, when I, I hadn't, I had only scrolled down to see the top two. And I just thought that the top right was the sun. I didn't realize that that was the mom. No, you have to scroll down a little bit further to see John yeah. Bender Jr., who um looks fabulous in his tie. He's definitely, like, the best out of all of them, I think. Yeah, it's not necessarily the highest compliment, but... No. I mean, Kate's, like, not... I don't Kate's think she's unattractive. No, but her stare is, like, off-putting. Yeah, I feel like she could hurt me. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to run into her in a dark alley. I mean, John Jr. does just kind of look kind of vacant. He kind of looks like he's like, you're going to have to like cut that out because they can't visually see what I just did. But like, she's in like, like first grade school picture. (laughs) Like learning how to smile. Yeah, no, exactly. So the Bender family claimed a 160 acre section of land located on the western slopes of the mountains. Their property was directly located on the Osage Mission Independence Trail. That ran from Independence to Fort Scott. Remember this trail because it's important. And it plays a relatively large role in the story. So the Bender family built a tiny one-room cabin, a barn, a corral, and they also dug a well. This is super embarrassing. I literally had to look up what a corral was. Because I've never seen it. I don't really know what that is either. It's to hold animals. 
Okay. I'm sorry. Have you... Are you not familiar with Golden Corral? No. The restaurant? No. Even if you've never been there, you've not heard of it? I've never been there, but you've heard of it, right? Like Golden Corral. It, like, maybe sounds familiar, but no. That doesn't mean you know the meaning. Also, you wouldn't think well, a restaurant would name after... Wait, no, no, no. You also wouldn't think a restaurant would name something after something that holds livestock. Like, I don't want to go to a restaurant. Actually, that's a really legitimate thing for is a restaurant. Is it like a meat house? Itself. Like, is it... Do they sell a lot of meat there? It's like... Is it a barbecue place? Down fast food. It's like Chili's. Okay. Maybe like a little... I think it's a buffet. I think it I don't, is. They don't have any around here. They don't have any around here. It's not like we don't have anything that would be like Applebee's, maybe like no. It's just like a huge buffet, fast casual dining. But Golden Corral is like a corral that's golden. A corral is a big fence. Yeah. So okay. I I had to Google it because I've heard the word. But I've just never, okay. like, seen it like that. I don't know. I've Obviously, like, I've okay. seen Golden Corral, but never, like, connected it. But it doesn't yeah, matter. I've heard of that, but I also don't know if I'm just thinking of, like, when you, the word corral, you know? Like, like where you're like, oh, let's, yeah, like, let's corral all these people around here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it would be the same, the same thing. Yeah, kind right. of. Like, it probably came from, I don't know which one came first. Yeah, gather people within a specific area. Yeah, like a fence. Corral them, you gather them within the corral. Yeah. Okay, anyway, go on. So their wood cabin was split into two different sections using a large canvas. Their living quarters was in the back. And then they had a small inn and storefront in the front section. The store inn combo was opened in 1871. A sign that said groceries hung on the front door to attract travelers on the Osage Trail. This tiny store carried powder, shots, sorry, shots. You see where my mind is at. Powder, shot, groceries, liquor, tobacco, sold meals, and also provided a safe place for strangers to rest. Safe within quotations. Many traveling the Osage Mission Independence Trail would stop at the Benders for for either a meal or somewhere to spend the night. Like, I can't imagine trekking that long was pleasant. Yeah, I don't, I don't even like regular camping. I can't imagine what this form of hell would be like. Terrible. So over time, however, these men started to disappear. A lot of these men had carried around a lot of money with the intention of settling, buying stock, or purchasing a claim. And when friends and family went looking for these men, the furthest they could be traced to was the Big Hill County of Southeast Kansas before finding absolutely no trace of the missing man. At first, a couple of travelers going missing did not set any major alarm bells off since it wasn't uncommon for travelers to continue their journey westward. And I also, it was probably pretty common for people not to make it. Right? Dying from the elements, starvation. Yeah, I, I would say. The Oregon Trail. I was going to say the Oregon Trail. <laughs> the Oregon. The party. Yeah. Dysentery. I was going to say, you got dysentery. dysentery. 
What was there was another one too? I forget which one it was. Oh, what was the other one that you could? Co- get? I feel like there it starts with a C. Cholera. Oh yeah, good old cholera. Yeah, mm, cholera. <sighs> cholera. <laughs> you just said that like cholera was like an old lover of yours. You're just like I know it kind of does. It it kind of sounds like a girl's name. Cholera. It honestly does. Cholera. Is it bad that I kind of like it? Stop it. Cholera. <laughs> it's very bad. It reminds me of Colorado. 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 Why'd you say it like that? Cholera. Colorado. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So Seattle got on her ass. Colorado is next. In May of 1871, a man's body was discovered in Drum Creek. His skull had been crushed and his throat has, had also been slit. In February of 1872, two men were discovered with very similar injuries. In the spring of 1873, rumors began circulating in the region, causing travelers to avoid taking that trail. Which, like, good on them. A town meeting was held at the Harmony Grove Schoolhouse in March by the Osage Township. 75 people attended the meeting, including the two mm-hmm. Bender men. Oh. Or John Squared, as I like to put it. I talked right over you when you said that. I was going to say the Johns. John Squared is better, though. Yeah, because when you say the Johns, I just think of the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I do. I'm sorry. Anyway, I also wait. I really, I really like the idea that word began to spread that th- this was like an unsafe trail and people stopped using it. It's like the ways of... <laughs> It's like ye old ways. Telling you about traffic patterns. Okay, so by this time, 10 people had gone missing, including a well-known independence physician by the name of Dr. William H. York. Knowing something had to be done, the group conducted a search of every farmstead between Big Creek and Drum Creek. While most attendees volunteered to have their property searched, the benders stayed quiet. I found so many, like, competing stories and different sources like Mm -hmm. some said like the next day some said three days the problem is again I feel like this story since it was so long ago people talk right and like I don't think the reports had to be as accurate no the journalistic standards were pretty lax I feel like we discussed this pretty recently in an episode right like they probably just approached a person and it was like oh how long have you heard it's been and then the next person could have said something different which well golly me i heard it's been eight whole years <laughs> yeah they couldn't like fact check stuff as easily like there was no internet or mm-hmm. anything like that you know they just had to go by word of mouth and then i feel like as humans especially because this was so long ago i feel like our society like kind of romanticizes cases like this and just tries to make it more juicy and like adds in more detail sensationalized I yeah. found that with the last one for sure. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, I'm, I'm yes. sure a lot of that was like the newspapers at the time were just trying to sensationalize it. But I do think a big mm-hmm. part of it is like people try to make it seem like crazier than it mm-hmm. was. I don't I know. I mean, that's still how gossip spreads. Yeah. Yeah. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more little unbelievable details are added every time, you know, a gossipy story is told. It's... It's like a big game of telephone, but with no fact-checking. Sometime after this meeting, don't really know when, but I, it sounded like this happened pretty quickly. A neighbor of the Bender family named Billy Toll 
noticed that the inn was abandoned and their farm animals hadn't been fed in a while. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. abandoned them. That's terrible. That's the worst part so far. Uh, they killed like 15 people. Well, we don't know that yet. I said so far. I said over 10 bodies were found. When did you say that they found 10 bodies? They haven't even searched the house yet. By Oh, sorry. By this time, 10 people had gone missing. Toll reported this to the township trustee, and a search party was quickly formed. A.M. York of Fort Scott was part of the search party. So once in the house, the men noticed that the cabin was completely empty of any food, clothing, and personal possessions. They also noticed a terrible smell. They discovered a trap door on the cabin floor that was nailed shut. That doesn't bode well. Yeah. (laughs) So naturally, the men opened it up to find a six-foot deep hole that was filled with clotted blood, causing a putrid odor. Oh. So, but it was just blood. Just blood. There was no bodies in in the cabin. I have questions. Oh, I'm getting there. So, while there were no bodies, like, actively in the hole at the time, the men searched the whole cabin, and they still found no bodies, but not willing to give up quite yet, the men started to dig around the cabin, specifically in an area where the vendors grew vegetables and where their orchard was. Mm, Fertilizer. Yep. They noticed a freshly stirred depression in the ground, where they located the first body, which was buried head downward, and the feet were barely covered. This body belonged to Dr. William H. York. So, is this another Backyard Burials? Honestly, kind of is. <laughs> wow. Rachel, this is like a theme with you. What is it with you and Backyard Burials, girl? <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. It's kind of low-key fucked. <laughs> he had trauma to his skull, and his throat was cut ear to ear. Jeez. The digging continued the following day. Nine other bodies, along with various dismembered body parts, were found, consisting of a woman and a little girl. The burial site was named Hell's Half Acre. Another brother of Dr. York offered a $1,000 reward for any information leading to the discovery and arrest of the Bender family. And then on May 17th, Governor Thomas Osborne doubled his reward to $2,000. Wow, it's a lot of money for that time. It's a lot of money. I just googled and it says like 46,000. That's still a lot, like around 40 around 45k. That's no, a lot. It's of money. still a lot of money. Yeah. All right, and then here's pictures of the digging basically. Here's a sketch and then he, I don't know if this is a picture. It could be cuz it just says like with a touch of color added. It does look like a picture. But I don't know. I literally looked it up. And the camera has been invented already. I looked it up. Okay, I was going to say, I'm not familiar enough with, like, the timeline of the technology to know if, like, there could have been an actual camera there. But if there was, it was probably one of those, like, big ones with, like, a tarp over it. It was invented in 1816. Oh, okay. So it was definitely around. Probably even, like, new models by then. And then if you keep scrolling down... I was able to find the reward flyer, and I'm just going to read it for you guys because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so, Governor's Proclamation, $2,000 reward, State of Kansas Executive Department. Whereas, 
several atrocious murders have been recently committed in Labette County, Kansas, under circumstances which fasten, beyond doubt, the commissions of these crimes upon a family known as the Bender family, consisting of John Bender, about 60 years of age, German, speaks but little English, dark complexion, no whiskers, and sparely built. Whiskers? Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Mrs. Bender, about 50 years of age, rather heavyset, blue eyes, brown hair, German, speaks broken English. John Bender Jr., 5 feet 8 or 9 inches in height, slightly built, gray eyes with brownish tint, brown hair, light mustache, no whiskers, about 27 years of age, speaks English and German accent. Did that mean something? I think it's if a he beard. has a mustache, then what are whiskers? A beard? Probably a beard. Oh. I feel like I would think it would be mustache. Would be whiskers. No, I was thinking beard initially. But also, like, his eye color is so specific. Gray eyes with a brownish tint. I know. It's like someone was staring in his eyes deeply. So Kate Bender, about 24 years of age, dark hair and eyes, good-looking, well-formed, rather bold in appearance, fluent talker, speaks good English with very little German accent. And whereas said persons are at large and fugitives from justice. Now, therefore, I, Thomas A. Osborne, governor of the state of Kansas, in pursuance of law, do hereby offer a reward of $500 for the apprehension and delivery to the sheriff of Labette County. So, of course, the news of the gruesome murder spread like wildfire, causing thousands of people to flock to the cabin from as far as New York and Chicago. The cabin was ripped apart by souvenir hunters hoping to get a piece of the crime scene to take home with them. Which I've heard of happening in other cases, but, like, that's really fucked up if you think about it. Yeah, well, it reminds me of um, the Lizzie Borden case. Everything was, like, stomped all over by the whole community. So the Benders were not even close to what they appeared. In fact, they weren't even a real family. What? I know. I know. The only people who were related were Ma and Kate Bender. Really? So they weren't even, like, married. I don't think either. That makes me feel a little less awkward about thinking they look like siblings. <laughs> so when various travelers and visitors stopped at the cabin for a meal, they were seated at a table with their backs facing towards the large canvas separating the inn and their home living quarters. Kate would then charm the man, sorry, with her amazing social skills flirting or revealing her psychic gifts Mm -hmm. and then distracted by Kate the men would not notice Pa and John Bender hiding out behind the canvas so they'd pop out of the canvas strike the traveler in the skull with a hammer Ma and Kate would then search through their pockets for any belongings they would then push them through the trap door where Kate would finish the job by slitting their throat. And then during the night, they would bury the body behind the house in the garden. So that's why it was all that blood, because they would finish, she would finish them in that hole. So remember how earlier I said that 
there was somebody found like a little girl, like one of the bodies. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of them did belong to a little girl who I'm going to talk about now. So the murders of a father and daughter named Launcher, sometimes reported as George Newton Longcore, was the downfall of the Bender family since Dr. William York came searching for the missing man and the child. So that's how it kind of all started. In the winter of 1872, Mr. Launcher and his daughter left Independence on a journey to Iowa, but were never heard of or seen again. In the spring of 1873, Dr. York made it his responsibility to search for the two. The Benders attempted to help the investigation by admitting that Dr. York had stopped at their cabin, but had left and were interrupted by Mm. Indians. Using Mm. her clairvoyant abilities, Kate claimed to help in the search for the missing doctor to avoid any further suspicion on the family. Mr. Launcher and his daughter were part of the 10 bodies discovered. Again, this is like where information changes depending on the source. I saw in one source that it was seven to eight years old. That's how old the child was. And then on the other one, I saw 18 months. Like that is a big difference. Yeah. Um, but in multiple sources, I saw like infant. So like, I think it's a younger, like I think it is, which is awful. The girl's body had multiple injuries none of which had led to death, so therefore it was speculated that the poor girl was buried alive. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that would be consistent with, like, an infant, too. Yeah. Because obviously, like, the infant's not going to be able to do anything anything about that, which is so messed up. Other bodies discovered in the garden included the mutilated remains of Henry Mackenzie, three men by the name of Ben Brown, W.F. McCrotty and John Geary, along with an unidentified man and woman. The remains of Johnny Boyley were discovered in the well. Dismembered body parts of various other victims were also discovered, but sadly none were identified. Four other bodies with smashed skulls and slit throats were discovered right outside the property in Drum Creek on the surrounding prairie. All of them were murdered in a similar fashion. In addition... Multiple of the bodies had been indecently mutilated, potentially suggesting genital trauma. Hmm. Allegedly, about a dozen bullet holes were found all around the cabin, probably from victims attempting to fight back. Because, like, mm-hmm. everybody carried a gun back then, too, right? Yeah. Through murdering all of those people, the benders only gained about $4,600, two pairs of horses and wagons, a pony, and a saddle. And just to give you perspective, this is the number I got confused with earlier. $4,600 in 1871 is equivalent to almost $114,000 in 2023. Which I feel like they made it seem like only, but like that's a lot of money. So after the word of the gruesome murder spread, more travelers came forward about their close calls with the Bender family. So some people actually managed to escape them. A man named William Pickering said that he refused to sit with his back facing the canvas. One, because it was covered in stains. Yeah, shocker. That's not suspicious at all. A Catholic priest also came forward, saying that he fled the cabin after seeing one of the Bender men concealing a large hammer. I'm sure now, like, you guys are probably asking, like, what the hell happened to the Benders? Because obviously, like, they ran away. 
they were never actually discovered, like 100%. But right after this happened, of course, a search party was put together to find them. And a fresh trail of wagon tracks led them to Thayer, proving that the Benders had traveled about 12 miles north. Then they bought tickets for a northbound train. Like I said, their bandwagon was found a short distance away. And the poor horses were nearly starved. After talking to the train conductor, Captain James B. Ransom, investigators learned that John Jr. and Kate got off at Chanute and took a train south to the Red River County near Denison, Texas, which was the railroad's terminal. Okay. Allegedly, the two ran away to Outlaw Company location on the border of Texas and New Mexico. Pa and Ma Bender took the train north to Kansas City. So, of course, like all stories like this, it was probably blown so way out of proportion and nothing was proven. So anybody could kind of be like, oh, I saw them here, or they went this way. The reward was never successful. Nobody ever came to collect it because they were never found. But here are some ideas and rumors. One group of vigilantes claims that they shot the two Bender men and Ma and then burned Kate alive since they believed that she was a witch. That tracks. Okay, well, she deserved it. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. Karma! What really doesn't make sense to me is if Kate was burned at the stake because she was a witch. I feel like Ma would have been lumped in the same category. Because she also claimed to speak with the dead. Yeah, that's... An interesting distinction. Another group claimed that they discovered the family when they were attempting to escape to the south. So the group lynched the family and then threw their bodies into a nearby river. Okay. Another group claimed that they killed the benders during a gunfight and then burned their bodies somewhere on the prairie. There was a man who was arrested for a murder using a hammer in 1884 in Ohio who was believed to be Pa. However, while waiting for further details from Kansas, this man attempted to escape by cutting off his own foot. He bled to death. Yeah, shocker. And decomposed before an identification process was made. Isn't that something? That really is something. Can you, like, imagine, like, death by cutting your own foot off? He attempted to escape by cutting his own foot, so he was chained. He was sh- yeah, yeah. I was, gonna say, was, he, was he shackled? I'm assuming. Okay. Because huh. otherwise, it just sounds like <laughs> so stupid. Let me run away by cutting my own foot off. Yeah, how are you gonna run away with only one foot? You're gonna hop away. Yeah, yeah you're gonna hop. None of these claims were ever proven, and their bodies were never discovered. So, therefore, as a whole, the general consensus was that the Bender family escaped successfully. For years following, sightings of Ma and Kate were reported. In 1889, two women from Michigan were extradited and put in jail. However, the case was dropped due to lack of evidence. So, like, a lot of people did really think it was them, but I don't I don't necessarily think so. It's so funny how back then you could literally get, like, two people and not know. Oh, are these them? Don't right. know. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so I'm sure you're asking yourself, so who were these actual people who were claiming to be a nuclear family? Because I know I, like, sprinkled it in there and then made you wait for it. Pa Bender was actually 
found to be a man named John Flickinger from Hollander, Germany. Okay. He allegedly committed suicide in Lake Michigan in 1884. But, like, again, these are just, like, hearsay things. However, others believe that Ma and Kate murdered him since he ran away with all the valuables that they'd stolen from the victims. Hmm. Ma was born Elmira Meek in the Anirondacks. As a teenager, Elmira married a man named George Griffith. Elmira then proceeded to pop out 12 children. 12 children. Dang. And one of them was Kate. And then somehow her husband just suddenly dropped dead. Some say that he had a dent in his head from where he was hit with the hammer. Sus. I don't know. And apparently she married multiple times after this. Um, And she murdered those husbands and three of her older children. And it was so that they couldn't testify against her. Which I don't know, like, I don't know how true that is. I feel like that's not real. Yeah, because if they never found them, then, like, there was never a... How were they going to be able to testify? It could have been before. Maybe that's why she fled. Who knows? So John Jr. was named John Gebhardt. And like I said earlier, he was often called a halfwit. But some believe that he acted this way purposely so that others would underestimate him. While some believe that Kate and John were siblings, others believe that they were man and wife. Interesting. Um, I don't know, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Spicy. Yeah, spicy. A detective traced John to outlook country on the Texas-Mexico border, and he found out that John had died from apoplexy, which is the rupture of an internal organ. Okay. So, these seem to be, like, the more legitimate theories or, like, kind of accepted facts. And then, like, a lot of this is so hearsay. Because even if this is true, they never actually saw the body, had access to it. Because, obviously, this is the 1800s. Um, so Kate was Ma's fifth child. She was born Eliza Griffith. Eliza got married and changed her name to Sarah Eliza Davis. Allegedly, I don't know how accurate this is, but Kate worked as a prostitute at the Bender Inn, and travelers would pay extra money that was just like part of the bill to sleep with her. And like I said okay. at the beginning of the episode, generally Kate was the one blamed for these gruesome crimes, despite her young age. So basically, like, she would seduce the men, and then everybody else would just go in. The property that they once owned is, like, still believed to be haunted. Hmm. A decade following these horrific murders, the cabin along with the outbuildings on the property were all gone, only leaving the empty hole that was once used as a cellar. This is where some of the souls of those who were murdered are stuck wandering around the property and making audible moaning noises. So, yeah. Which, like, doesn't surprise me. I feel like that kind of energy sticks around. Even from something so far in the past. Yeah. Definitely. And then I ended this with, yay for museums, because I know Kate would appreciate it. (sighs) Woo! The Bender Museum was found in 1961 in Cherryvale. An exact replica of the Bender cabin was built. 
Within the first three days of opening, over 2,000 visitors came to see it. I don't know why I thought you were going to say that they they replicated the cabin and someone died. Like, (laughs) that it was something about the cabin itself was, like, murderous. I don't know. Just, like, the vibes, you know? In 1976, three of the Bender's hammers were donated to the museum. Oh. Yeah. Which is crazy to think that they still had that. What a nice gift. Sadly, the museum was shut down in 1978 and was turned into a fire station. Many wanted to relocate the museum, but others objected since they did not want their town to be known for the atrocities committed by the Benders, by the Bender family, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is pretty fair. Mm Mm-hmm. All the artifacts, including the hammers, photos, newspaper clippings, are currently at the Cherryvale Museum, where you can go visit, which I kind of want to go one day now. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) That's the Bloody Benders. Um, It's kind of a crazy case, because it happened so long ago. But it's really interesting to think of a family of four as all, like, Mm -hmm. serial killers together i guess that is a cult-like group maybe it is Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i guess and i mean they technically weren't probably a family at least some of them Mm -hmm. i wonder how they found each other they were all just like people that had a common motive and were like oh yeah let's get in on this i have no idea isn't that crazy though yeah Mm. it is People find each other. Honestly, people, it's awful. Gross, like, awful people, people just attract to each other. I don't know why. They really do. Mm-hmm. All right. Before I end the episode, I just want to say, <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys about my um, creative process for this episode. So, yes, I was in the shower the other day, and of course, my thoughts go all over the place, as most people's do. And you guys know the song, like, Real Big Spender. I don't know who it's by. Who is it by? Do you guys know? Mm-hmm. No, I have no idea. I feel like I should say that. Looks like it's by Shirley Bassey? Shirley Bassey? Maybe. Don't know. I don't know. By someone. <laughs> so that song, I'm literally in the shower, like, singing to myself. Like, hey, big bender. And then it didn't stop there, because it never does. And then I was like, The Real Bloody Bendis. Wow. Rachel's just doing, like, a cabaret to the Bloody Bender family. Rachel is, like, an entire barbershop quartet in her own shower. I feel like that's something Linda from Bob's Burgers would do. Honestly, yeah. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah, and she's like, real big spender. <laughs> <laughs> I could just like a hat and everything. Like, like, yeah. Lifting the hat up and down like, real big spender. Yeah. And then Jean would walk by with like a cane. Blah, like pushing it out. And, and then you do like a little yeah, fart noise after it. Out. And then Tina would be like, bloody vendor. <laughs> No, she she'd be like she'd be like, I wonder if John Jr. had a nice butt, <laughs> or something like that. Jimmy Jr. Right? 
she would be the me of the episode and she would be like oh i bet he's cute he sounds cute and then she looked at the picture and be like oh i still would yeah exactly no i said this is grass and i'm gonna mow it i said john jr because that's what it was right like jimmy jr is the pesto yeah (gasps) jimmy jr but this is john jr well well now that we want that out of the way (laughs) yeah sorry for that unhinged episode yeah that was um i don't know what was like collectively in our water today but like i don't know something something i feel like you can kind of tell when we record during the week like we're a little more put together when we record earlier in the week and then it gets later in the week and we're just chaotic Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just super well, chaotic. Always. At least there wasn't cholera in our water. <laughs> no dysentery for us. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, plug it. At Small Town Mysteries Pod on Instagram. I gotta say, I love when people comment anything on our Instagram but someone recently commented with some like pronunciations that we got wrong um in an episode we posted recently that's one of my favorite things I love that because we said I don't I think it was an episode that hasn't even come out yet we talked about like please correct us on stuff but someone yeah that episode hasn't even come out yet um when we got this message but it was someone telling us that we pronounced Oregon wrong and I just you know what I love it. Thank you. We need the push. Anyway, all I'm saying is if you have something you want to let us know from an episode, if it's something we got wrong, if it's a pronunciation that we botched, let us know. We love to hear from you. And it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside because it means people are listening to our podcast. I love that. So at Small Time Mysteries Pod, we can be reached there. And we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Right, come spiral with us next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.